so very much. Well, this morning, uh, check out the title to my message, Fasting Equals Intense Spiritual Activity. I really watered that one down, didn't I? No, not really. I'm, I, you know what? I want to bring you the truth. I want to bring it strong, and I want to bring strong encouragement to you this morning. Let me start with a confession. Is that okay? Um, I've got a problem. Uh, my name is Jeff, and I have a problem, okay? I feel like I'm in a 12-step group. I like to eat. That's my problem. Is anybody else out there, you're kind of like me? I like to eat. I really do. I'm going to confess, I, sometimes I eat when I'm hungry, and, well, always I eat when I'm hungry, and sometimes I even eat when I'm not hungry. Anybody, anybody there with me? I, you know... Is there anything more tasty in the world than, than a Chick-fil-A waffle fry? I don't know. I haven't found it yet. But those, when they come out hot, oh my gosh, they're just amazing, aren't they? Or, or a hot yeast roll. I love a hot yeast roll. You know, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, when I look in the bottom of that Chick-fil-A bag, I don't know, I'm looking for something and I find that extra fry, I'm like rejoicing. It's the blessing of God. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look, the Lord. It's blessed me with a bonus. I hope it's still hot. You know, I mean, I got a problem. I like to eat unhealthy food. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard the joke about the, the guy that, you know, the guy that uh, uh, his wife coaxed him into eating bran and eating lots of fiber and eating lots of vegetables and giving up all the good stuff, right? And he did live longer, you know, he did. He lived longer, but then he went to heaven. It was like, you mean I could have been here sooner? Why did I eat all that stuff, you know? It was like really not sure it was worth, you know, hanging around eating all that. So I, I confess all that to you this morning as a backdrop to this message on the in, intense spiritual activity of fasting. Buckle your seatbelts, get ready, get your pen out, get your note page out. I, I, I want us to, to learn and grow in this whole concept of fasting today. I'm inviting all of you, those who are here, those that are online, to join us in these 21 days. I don't care what you give up as long as it's something that is a little bit challenging for you to give up, okay? Like I said last week, nobody is allowed to give up Brussels sprouts, okay? Sorry. You know, I know they, even today they kind of make them halfway decent. When I ate them, they were like gooey eyeballs when I was a kid. It was like, no, please, it was torture, you know? Mom, not Brussels sprouts again. So you can't give that up. But you can give up something that costs you, something that, you know, is, is a sacrifice, so let me start right here this morning. Biblical fasting. Would you read it with me? You can see it on the screen. Biblical fasting is a central, crucial, life-giving, soul-centering, world-impacting practice that ought to be a regular part of every Jesus follower's life. And today, I'm going to try to give you the best I can, an overview scripturally and, and some, some insight and some wisdom of this practice that's going to prepare us as we begin our fast tomorrow morning. The ancient spiritual discipline of fasting is largely foreign. Sadly, it's largely foreign to the capital C church today. 
And while there's no specific command for us to fast in the Bible, if you read the Bible, you can't overlook the fact that fasting is everywhere in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's an incredibly powerful practice. Let me just give you a little bit of a list. Ezra fasts, so does Esther, so does Moses, so does King David, so does the entire city of Nineveh. They fast as an act of repentance toward God. So does Anna in the temple in Luke 2. So does Cornelius in Acts 10. So do the apostles. They fasted to seek God's will in Acts 13 and 14. Paul, the apostle Paul himself says he fasts often. Jesus himself fasted in preparation for his confrontation with the enemy in the wilderness and in preparation for the work that God had called him to. In fact, as Jesus instructed his followers, he started by saying this. If you're reading the Bible with us, you read it this week. When you fast, he didn't say if you fast, he said when you fast. I want to talk a little bit this morning about why, what fasting is and why fasting is such an important, intense spiritual activity that every single one of us need to enter into. Sometimes in, in order to understand something, it's helpful to maybe start by just saying, here's, here's what it's not. Here's what fasting is not. Fasting is not just a physical discipline only. All right, one time I went to the gym. I was starting a, a prolonged fast, and I'd gone to the gym, and I got in a conversation with a fella, and I was getting ready to do, I was doing a 21-day fast, and he was doing a fast, a long fast. And come to find out, it had really no spiritual connotations. He was doing it from uh, just a disciplinary, willpower type of thing for the health benefits. It's interesting, because uh, for a long time, you know, I've been doing this for, man, over 30 years. I've been fasting at the beginning of the year. And uh, for a long time, fasting was kind of looked down upon. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of talk about fasting now from a very positive perspective, right? I mean, pretty much everybody's doing intermittent fasting these days. So it's interesting, but fasting's not just a physical discipline. While there may be and there are many physical benefits to fasting, the primary purpose of a biblical fast is not weight loss or some type of physical cleanse. It's not the purpose. Secondly, it's not penance. For those of you that maybe have a, a Catholic background, <laughs> biblical fasting is not self-inflicted punishment for sin that somehow brings pleasure to a sadistic God. That's not who God is, and that's not what he seeks from us. It's not a power play, if you will. It's not some kind of strange spiritual manipulation that somehow controls God in order to get him to do what we want him to do. Ed Cole said this. He said, a fast is not a hunger strike. Fasting submits to God's commands. A hunger strike tries to make God submit to our demands. Neither is fasting, and listen to this, okay, very important. It's not a proof of your spiritual depth. You don't fast to prove to others just how spiritual you are. God knows your motives. He sees the heart. And your motives will either make or break the fast. If you prayed around about like the Pharisees trying to show everybody how holy you are because you're fasting, Jesus spoke to that. 
So the question is, what is fasting? Let's take a look. Leviticus 16.29 says this, This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. This verse is actually God's instruction regarding the celebration of the Day of Atonement. But it's interesting because the term afflict your souls is also translated as self-denial. It's speaking of fasting. And, and fasting, not just as denying the body, but also denying our desires, our appetites, our wants. Fasting is a, a very practical and very powerful way of saying that food, drink, physical sustenance is actually secondary to something else. So yeah, fasting is, in a sense, an act of self-denial, but it's not just an act of self-denial. Dallas Willard put it this way, and this is where I got the title of my message today. The fasting is the voluntary abstention from an otherwise normal function, most often eating, for the sake of intense spiritual activity. Willard's definition tells us that the purpose of fasting is to go without something temporal in order to stir a hunger for something eternal. There's more to this life, folks. Fasting is physical abstinence for the purpose of spiritual engagement. In other words, you're going without something that you need for something that you need more. You're going without something important for something of utmost importance. Luke 9, 23, Jesus says this. This is most often repeated saying, actually. If anyone desires to come after me, be his follower, be his disciple, let him deny himself. There it is, right? There's that self-denial right there. And take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus is into us laying down things in pursuit of him. Jesus describes the essence of discipleship as self-denial for the purpose of spiritual engagement. You deny yourself in order to follow, to become more like Christ, to be made more and more into his image and his likeness and to do his will. This is why every time you see fasting mentioned in the Bible, you never see it in, a, in an isolated practice. Fasting is always intimately linked with the practice of prayer. Fasting and prayer, we could say it like this, go hand in hand in Scripture. And while you can have prayer without fasting, you really can't have biblical fasting without prayer. Everybody get that? So these next three weeks, it's not just simply about you uh, doing less cooking, <laughs> going out to eat, not quite as often, saving a little money because you're not going out to eat as often at Chick-fil-A and those waffle fries and all that. It's about you increasing your focus on God. It's about you increasing your prayer life. That's what it's really. Now, those other things might be little benefits, side benefits. Prayer, here's what the great 
Andrew Murray said, prayer is reaching out after the unseen. And fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Why, why does fasting matter so much? Well, first and foremost, fasting matters because quite honestly, Jesus modeled it and he assumed our regular practice of it. I think I'm behind a slide or two. Let me catch up. When he said in the book of Matthew, which we just read this past week, to his disciples, he said, when you fast, not if you fast. Now, even if there was no stated or implicit benefit of fasting, based on the very fact that Jesus, our Lord, the one that you and I have given our lives to and have said we're going to follow wholeheartedly, he assumed that you and I would fast. So fasting must be a prioritized act of obedience for every follower of Jesus. But the great news is, okay, the great news, and we're going to get to it, is there's enormous spiritual benefits attached to prayer and fasting. I'm going to just give you seven this morning, and there's probably many more we could mention, but I want to give you seven really strong big rocks that you can, you can think about and pray over and, and meditate on and use as, as just prayer ammunition this week. The first one is simply this. It's victory over temptation. How many of you have ever battled with what the scripture calls a besetting sin? Something that you just couldn't seem to break on your own. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus fasted in preparation for spiritual battle. And through prayer and fasting, Jesus experienced total victory over temptation. Now, I got to tell you, and I think many of you sense this in maybe a more profound way than you ever have before in your Christian life. There's a constant spiritual warfare happening all around us. How many of you, you've sensed that? It's happening. There's, there's sin coming at your door, knocking at your door. There's temptation that's trying to get you to, to compromise little by little. There's, there's just the enemy coming, trying to get you to doubt your identity in God. There's so many things that if you're not battling, if you're not putting on the full armor, if you're not standing strong in Christ, if you're not fasting and praying, you probably won't be able to overcome there's things that the enemy's trying to use to beat you down, to keep you weak, to keep you ashamed so that you don't fulfill your full purposes in God. Let me tell you this. A lifestyle of fasting prepares you for spiritual battle and can give you victory over temptation. How many of you can say amen to that? Secondly, fasting and prayer increases our faith. I love this passage, Matthew chapter 17, the disciples, 
who'd been sent out by Jesus and they'd previously seen some powerful miracles happen through their ministries, but they, they come upon this, this little boy with epilepsy. And they couldn't cure this little boy of epilepsy, but Jesus could. So they approach Jesus in private and they ask him, Jesus, why was it that we couldn't cast this demon out of this little boy? And Jesus rebukes them and the whole crowd around them for their lack of faith. And then he says, you couldn't cast it out because, here it is, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and they'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, look at these words, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I have in the past, I won't today, but we could, we could really focus our whole time just on that one verse, just on that passage, that story, because in essence, Jesus is saying, you're too connected to the world, and the spirit of the world's caused you to enter into a spirit of unbelief, and you're not enough connected to the power source, to the Lord himself, and that's the problem. And that is a problem for most of us because we live in this world. We're not of it, but we live in it, and it influences us. And I don't know about you, but I have to, what I call, recalibrate my compass pretty often because my compass is supposed to point true north. But because of the influence of this world, if I'm not careful because of what I see, what I hear, what I experience on a daily basis, I start getting off a little bit. And the Lord has to bring me back to true north. Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith. Can I, can I just say to you, you know, sometimes we read these stories and sometimes we look with kind of a negative light uh, at the disciples. But have you ever felt his correction on your lack of faith? Because if he corrected them, he might want to correct you in that area too. My wife's kind of confessing to that today, right? Just feels a sense, you know, you're not believing me like you should. You ever feel that? God's correction, he's a loving father, right? He's not condemning you. He's correcting you to help you change. Jesus, right here in this passage, he links fasting with faith and with our ability to trust God to do the impossible. Okay, not us, but God through us. God can do the impossible. Can you say amen to that? If you want to see, okay, in 2023, if you want to see God work miracles in and through your life, if you want to see and believe God to do the impossible, then listen, you've got to fast and pray. Number three, fasting and prayer brings personal guidance. In Acts chapter 10, there's this Roman centurion named Cornelius. He was fasting and praying and an angel appears to him. The angel instructs him to go and, 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 and find Peter and to have Peter come and declare to him the ways of God. Cornelius is so sure that Peter's going to show up, right? It's a pretty interesting little story that he gathers all of his family and all of his friends and then Peter shows up to this packed house. 
and Cornelius and all the family and friends are ready to hear from God from Peter. Acts 10, 33, it says, Now therefore, we're all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. It, Imagine the pressure on Peter in this moment, right? Peter, tell us all the profound, world-changing things that God's commanded you to tell us. This is a big turning point in the history of the church, right? This is when Gentiles, you and I, are invited in to be engrafted in the vine, if you will, to become a part of the spiritual family of God. It's powerful. God has spoken to Cornelius about the fact that God had spoken to Peter and that Peter needed to come and share the words with Cornelius and his family and friends. There's things God wants you to hear. There's things God wants you to receive. He wants to give you clear guidance for your life. Do you need guidance? Do you need direction in your life? Do you need clarity on the next determinations that you need to make, the things that, that, that you're just not clear about right now? Do you need him to reveal, let's say, the next step in your career or the next step in a broken relationship or in your finances or maybe even in how to see your marriage healed, your marriage restored, your ministry begin to flourish? What's your mission before God himself? Do you need divine guidance for your life? We all do if we really want to serve the Lord and have lives that count for his glory, then fast and pray with expectancy that God will give you that guidance. Not only does God bring personal guidance, but he brings collective guidance. I love this, right? I call it the prayer meeting that changed the world. Acts chapter 13, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Do you notice two different times they're fasting and praying? They're fasting and praying for God's guidance as a church. Then God says, okay, Barnabas and Paul, set them apart, send them out for the work. And what do they do? Fast and pray over Paul and Barnabas for the work God has called them to and laid hands on them and they sent them out in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. It's the key, if you will, to apostolic, pioneering, church planting, missional work in the first century. It's fasting and prayer. We try to make it so many other things. When the early church appointed elders and leaders, what would they do? Fast and pray. Seek God's guidance for that particular body of believers and then appoint those leaders that the Lord pointed out to them, spoke to them about. I don't know. Think about it with me this morning. Has God given you influence within a community of people? How about within your family circle? How about within your workplace? Has he given you influence in other people's lives? Has he given you, let's, let's call it positional authority over others that he's called you to serve? Fast and pray, not just for God's guidance in your own life, but for the will of the Holy Spirit for others as well. 
that God would help others also get a hold of what God has for them. One of the things I'm praying over my kids in this fast is, you know, from day one, right here on this platform, you know, when, when they were born, first thing we did was dedicate them to the Lord. So what I prayed yesterday over my kids. God, they're yours. They were dedicated to you from even before their first days on this earth. They're yours. You have every right to intervene in their lives, to stop them in their tracks, to put speed bumps along their, their pathway, and to draw them back to you so they'll serve out your purposes for your glory in their lives. Fasting and praying doesn't just bring God's guidance for you, but it also brings God's wisdom and guidance for a community, a body of believers, the collective whole. Tracy and I feel led of the Lord to go to a conference toward the end of this month. And... Um, we really are going with a, a full sense of expectancy that God has something to deposit in our hearts. This is going to be one of those Cornelius Peter type moments, I believe. And I want you praying for us because we feel like we're going to get a download that will help us as we continue to move forward as a church into the future God has for new song. Amen? Number five is deliverance and protection. In Ezra chapter eight, Ezra, uh, who's, who's trying to lead this, 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 this people, he, he declares a corporate fast and he prays for a safe journey for the, for the Israelite people as they make this 900-mile trek to Jerusalem from Babylon. It's an incredibly dangerous journey. There's lots of thieves and traps along the way. They don't have any military protection going with them. But Ezra fasts and prays and calls the people to fast and pray, and God answers their requests, and he protects them. So let's just talk about it like this. Maybe this year God's calling you, even as Tracy talked this morning about living fearlessly. There's a great book. Write it down. It's called Living Fearless by a guy named Jamie Winsap. You ought to order it. It's a great book. It's one of the books Tracy and I are walking through this year together right now. We're taking a training course also. Resilient by John Eldridge. I highly recommend it. Maybe God's calling you to step out fearless, to take a step of faith, to do something that you haven't done before. Maybe he's calling you to enter a season of risk. Is your future uncertain is God asking you to step out into something that quite honestly terrifies you? He might do that because he cares deeply about your growth. Growth never happens in the comfort zone. We all like to hibernate in the comfort zone. And God says, calling you out of that comfort zone, got growth in store for you, and it's good and you need to embrace it. Fast and pray. Seek God. Ask for his protection. And obey him as he's calling you into these new seasons, these new things. Number six, how about spiritual insight and influence? This is a great story, right? Under the rule and authority of, of, of King Nebuchadnezzar. 
the pagan king of Babylon. You've got Daniel and, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's their Jewish names. And they're fasting and praying. And in Daniel 1.17 it says, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And it's interesting because directly after this, Daniel and his friends are chosen to have higher levels of responsibility and influence in the royal courts of Babylon, of all places. Can you imagine that? Daniel fasted and prayed and was gifted with spiritual insight and, and granted positional authority. And then again in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel fasts and prays this time for three weeks and an angel appears to him and says, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God. By the way, that's very much what fasting is. Humbling yourself before God. You, you, you join me and you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about. Your words were heard. And I've come because of your words. Can I just say to some of you this morning that have struggled with prayer, have wondered if it worked, have gotten almost to the place that you're just about to give up on it, or maybe you have already. There's things you were praying about. Tracy mentioned this this morning. And you've just quit praying about them because you haven't seen anything yet happen. Look at this story. Your prayers matter. It, it makes a difference. From the first day, the angel says that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself. Your words, your prayers. Your prayers were heard, Daniel. And there's been a fight going on. He goes on to tell about this, this fight in the heavenlies that's been happening. Daniel might have wondered in that time frame, is the answer coming? Is the answer coming? Is the answer coming? There was reasons behind the scenes that he didn't fully understand. Your prayers make a difference. Don't ever doubt that. Even the angel here, it's interesting, right? The angel equates fasting and prayer with humility and understanding. See, fasting and prayer doesn't guarantee you positional influence. If that's why you're fasting, let me just say your fasting's going to be in vain because your motives are askew. But regular times of fasting increase your ability to perceive and understand eternal and spiritual matters. You'll gain spiritual insights and you'll be able to share those insights when the opportunity presents itself. Lastly, define Divine favor and provision. The story of Nehemiah. I love the story of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is this cupbearer to the king, right? And he gets this news that the Hebrew people in Jerusalem are suffering greatly and in great distress. They, they've, they've, they've escaped from Babylonian captivity, but when they come back to Jerusalem, they find that the gates and the walls that had protected Jerusalem have just been burned and charred and destroyed, and there's no protection from Israel's enemies. And in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, it says, So it was that when Nehemiah heard these words, I mean, they were so heavy on his heart, he sat down and he wept. 
and he mourned for many days. And he was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Is there ever any news that you get about our nation that strikes you that way? You ever hear anything about the precious United States of America that makes you sit down and weep and mourn and fast and pray before the God of heaven? There should be. And look what happens here. It's pretty cool, right? Nehemiah mourned for his Hebrew brothers and sisters who were in distress. And, and, and Nehemiah acknowledges his limited capacity to be able to do anything about it by fasting and interceding day and night. We don't even know how long Nehemiah fasted. It could have been up to four months. What we do know is that God gave Nehemiah incredible favor with King Artaxerxes. And a result, as a result of his obedience and, and his boldness, Nehemiah was sent with provision and permission to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Don't tell me that wasn't connected to fasting and prayer, friends. It absolutely was. Nehemiah, an interesting guy, right? He had a comfortable life in the king's palace. He was the cupbearer. He had a secure position, but he didn't let that lull him into a spiritual slumber. I don't know about you, but sometimes living here in America in the comfort and the abundance of Jefferson County and Oldham County and Louisville, Kentucky and our nation, which is the richest on the face of the earth, it's so easy to fall into spiritual apathy, to allow just the, the multitude of conveniences and comforts that we enjoy on a daily basis to convince us that somehow we don't need God as desperately as we really do. Fasting is a way to remind yourself you are utterly dependent on something greater than what this world could ever provide for you. And let me remind you, you have access to the king of heaven. Not just King Artaxerxes, the king of heaven, folks. And when we fast and when we pray, we can allow God to take our prayers and turn them into provision for our brothers and sisters suffering persecution and in great need all over the world. I've been blown away by how even through COVID, God has blessed the Harvest Project. You know why it is? Because God cares about every one of those people that are being ministered to and loved on and provided for and encouraged and coming to find Christ. The Congo, I was blown away. It's the fifth poorest country on the face of this planet. It's a place of great need. And God wants to move and work there. And most of us have never seen it and experienced it. But in our prayers and our fasting, God can move and work. Let me ask you a question as we begin to close our time together here today. What might God do if we were to fast and to intercede for our friends, our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters, who are day by day facing unfathomable per persecution? What might God do if we humbled ourselves, if we fasted and prayed, if we acknowledged our utter dependence on God as a regular practice as followers of Christ? There's no telling what God 
might do. Well, let me just mention to you quickly a couple of thoughts about how to fast. There's very few rules when it comes to fasting. There's a few different types of fast um, just to kind of help you think through and guide your journey. The type of fast you choose, folks, is just, it's between you and God. We're not trying to force you to do anything beyond what you're sensing the Lord's leading. Okay, it's your motives are what really matters. There's a full fast where it's just liquids only. Okay, that's a difficult one. Believe me, that's a difficult one. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. But if you've never fasted before, this is a serious type of fast and should be done thoughtfully and carefully. If you're new to fasting, I I just want to recommend you don't start off by trying to do this for 21 days. It'll be, let me just put it this way, wildly unpleasant for you and for anyone you interact with, okay? You're going to take the term hangry to a whole nother level. Yeah, my staff has told me that on a number of occasions. Pastor Jeff, you are hangry. <laughs> yeah, always has some breath mints. That's right. Uh, how about a Daniel fast? We just talked about it. We just we just read about it, right? Daniel one refers to he gave up the pleasant foods, right? The the, the scriptural context is he he just ate things that were were grown, okay, and which would include fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts, seeds, uh, whole grains. Daniel practiced this type of fast for ten days, and then later in the book for twenty one days. How about a partial fast? A partial fast is a restriction of your choosing. It could be you don't eat food from sun up to sundown, or that you abstain from at least a meal a day, or that you, you know, uh, you give up a, a specific type of food for 21 days. Maybe you give up sweets and you give up breads and you give up snacking in, in between meals. Uh, it could be abstaining from coffee, alcohol, sugar. Uh, it's it's really up to you. Another type of fast we talked about last week is a soul fast where you might be fasting from electronics, social media, all forms of entertainment. Whatever it is you abstain from, okay? Remember that the point of your fast is to create a physical hunger that drives you to deeper levels of intimacy with God to find your satisfaction and your fulfillment in Him. Closing thought. In Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, great book. He puts forward this idea that if we, if we view the spiritual disciplines of abstinence, and there are three or four of them, silence, solitude, fasting in particular, if we see those disciplines of deprivation as disciplines of deprivation, we'll never actually understand and enjoy the full weight of these disciplines. Let me close with this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. It says, Paul says, therefore we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is, is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
Let me remind you, fasting is simply letting go of that which is seen to reach, to reach and grab hold of that which is unseen. Many of us, we, we, we tend to view it as a time-bound sacrifice, but that's not all. That's not it at all. Paul says that it's not a sacrifice. Paul basically is saying to us, anything you give up in this life is building something much greater for you in the life to come. We, we tend to live without eternity in mind. When we begin to see that the things we do on this earth have a direct bearing on what we're going to inherit in eternity, it, it changes everything. When that truth sinks in, we'll begin to view fasting not as a sacrifice, but as an investment. Disciplines of abstinence become joyous when we know that our light affliction is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Church, let me just... In this way, any sacrifices that you and I make in this life for Christ, ultimately, in all honesty, is no sacrifice at all. It's actually an investment that will reap eternal rewards that can never be taken away. So what do you say, church? Let's not sacrifice, but let's invest in what matters most starting tomorrow. And let's just watch and see what God will do. Amen? Would you stand with me today as we close our time together? Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise this morning. Give him praise. Amen. Lord, do your work in each of our hearts. Would you just put your hand over your heart? Lord, do your work in each of our hearts. There's some of us, Lord, we're, we're not quite sure what it is you're calling us to these next 21 days. Would you make that clear for each of us? May we all enter in with the right motives, with a heart to seek you, a heart to see you moving and working, Lord, in our families, in our city, in our nation, in our world, in our church. God, we want to see the things come forth that, that without you just won't happen. We don't want to just be about doing our best and getting the best we can do. God, that's pretty shallow. Your word tells us so clearly, without you, we can do nothing. We want to see things of eternal significance break forth. We want to see breakthroughs for these that we've prayed for and they haven't yet received healing. We want to see breakthroughs for those we've prayed for that are lost or prodigals that haven't yet come back. We want to see things happen, Lord, in the spiritual, that right now there's a battle going on, and if we'll keep pressing in, you'll bring about the victory. God, we want to see that victory. We want to see that breakthrough. Lord, honor our time of fasting, our time of seeking you, God. May it be for your glory, your honor, and your praise. And we pray together, your kingdom come. Say it with me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in our lives, in Jesus' name. Give the Lord praise. Amen. 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 Don't forget to turn your prayer cards in, and we hope to see you throughout this week, 7 a.m. God bless you. Lord, go with us. Let your face shine upon us and your light shine through us in Jesus' name. Amen.